Amir, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Amir, just to get started, what's AngelList and what's your role there? Sure. You know, what is AngelList these days? Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, do, we do a ton of things. You know, primarily we're, we're meant to serve founders. We're instrumental in the startup space. We have a lot of different business verticals. So when people ask me what we do, there's always a different answer depending on kind of the person and what they're familiar with. Founders typically need help with, with three problems. They need to like fundraise, uh, they need to hire folks, and they need to find customers. Over time, AngelList has grown with these you know, three different business units to kind of uh, solve each of those problems. So we have like our venture unit, AngelList Venture, which does fundraising. Uh, we have AngelList Talent, which helps with the hiring. Uh, and we have Product Hunt, which helps with finding customers. It's a pretty complex beast. Um, right. I'm the associate general counsel there. I have been uh, in this role for about a year and a half. And it's been really interesting having kind of a role that touches on these three different units and, and has a kind of blend of a you know venture fund practice and a corporate governance practice, startup practice. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And even to piggyback on it, like we're one of the biggest champions and promoters of AngelList. Like we at Law Trades, you know, we raise money through AngelList. We hired people through the through A-List. We launched on Product Hunt. And now we have you guys as a customer and, and a big supporter. So, you know, super pumped about all the work you guys are doing. Glad to hear it. Next thing you got to do is launch your own fund. <laughs> I know. I know. That would be that would be awesome. Um, yeah. How big is the legal team that you have? I know you guys have a bunch of contractors, but now you guys move stuff in-house. So, so what's the deal there? Yeah, we, I mean, we've been involved, evolving. So I, when I started, technically the legal team was a, a legal team of one. Uh, it was Eric, our GC. You know, I, I walked in and saw that he was doing a massive amount of work on his own. Eric is a superhuman generally, and, and he was taking on a superhuman task. Um, right. And I think he was leveraging, you know, law trades and, and, and other folks to get more impact across in his role. Um, so when I joined, it was just him and me, the two of us. And then we've grown since then. We're now a team of four. Uh, we have a compliance manager and, and another legal counsel on the team. Uh, really great team. Really happy to be working with them. And uh, we're still, you know, over leveraged. I think, you know, it's kind of crazy. It's crazy to think that one or two people did this when even the four of us, you know, it's, it's hard for just the four of us to kind of manage all this. Right. Um, but it's been it's been really exciting, and, and hopefully we'll we'll grow soon. For sure. And, you know, how has this whole like crisis impacted the business in general? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think like everyone else, it's, it's definitely impacted us. You know, as, as I mentioned before, uh, a lot of us are, are, are working just remotely. I, you know, I'm just visiting my parents a lot more often than I used to, you know, kind of living with them now. Mm-hmm. It's been different for our different business units. You know, it's no secret that we've been impacted by COVID nineteen, like the rest of the industry. There's there's stuff online that you can tell that you know we've had to conduct some layoffs. We had to conduct we had to cut back on on some spending and take some of this uh, some of our legal work in house as a result. But you know, other parts of the business are are, are doing really well. I mean, there's um, you know I've been really pleasantly surprised that venture is actually growing in this environment. I you know I initially was concerned, but they're actually doing really well. So, you know, I think based on going back to the, the principle of like, we're here to, to help founders. Um, right now, I, I imagine founders are having 
surprisingly easy time in fundraising, but it's kind of more difficult for them to find customers and probably go through the hiring process right now. So we're, we're impacted the same way. Right. And I remember Eric telling me before that, you know, AngelList is very distributed, even though you guys have offices and like, you know, different cities, a lot of the team works remotely. So what tips could you share to make remote effect, uh, remote work effective for, for both sides? Like how do you, what are your, some of your tips and insights there? Yeah, we, uh, we did work remotely before COVID. Um, you know, Eric, uh, himself, or GC, he he worked from home in, in New Jersey and visited our New York office. Uh, us, us Cali folks, rest legal team, were kind of working out of the SF office. So pre-COVID, you know, we Eric managed us remotely. I think it worked really well. I think the the main thing that he did that we've kind of carried forward in, in COVID times is we've had to go kind of work from home was to be present, which can be difficult when you're virtual, but but is totally doable. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, useful tools internally to do that. So we have Zoom and we, you know, we do video calls often. Um, we, we Slack constantly, right. um, which is, you know, really helpful. And, you know, a fun little GIF here and there, I think, goes a long way right. uh, to kind of engendering presence for folks. And I think, you know, we've, we've developed systems and processes, you know, Slack bots to remind us um, to, like, update forms we have internally. You know, we've had virtual happy hours that we do internally with the legal team uh, every week. We have a, you know, a standing lunch and learn for the legal team where we kind of, you know, pick a really interesting news article or recent event in the legal world. And we spend an hour basically every week just talking about it and thinking through the issues. It's like almost like a little book club for ourselves. Right. And it doesn't matter that, you know, we're thousands of miles away and we're not in the office, we can still connect with each other on those. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Super cool. I haven't heard of some of those ideas in the past. Those are awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Even just this week we're we're just thinking about, you know, the the latest uh, back and forth between the Trump administration, Twitter, and where does that exact order kind of uh, overlay over other companies in the tech space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just just really interesting stuff that you know. It's really fun to talk about, and I think actually helps gender team morale to, to be able to talk through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and switching gears to you know more startups and venture capital, you guys obviously have a lot of great insight into what's going on within the VC industry. So you know, what's your current take on the state of venture? You know, sort of in this like post COVID world. Yeah, let me let me preface my answer with uh, I'm no Naval. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, Naval Naval is our founder. Really, really obviously smart guy. Great Twitter presence. His Joe Rogan podcast was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing I can compete with him in is Smash Brothers. So I'm sure his answer would be much more crisp on this. But you know, I, I am fortunate enough to have I'm privy to our wide view of the industry since so many deals go through the Angelus platform. Yep. And if that is an indicator, venture is doing surprisingly well in this environment. Um, we're still seeing good deals happen. Uh, we're still seeing a lot of deals happen. It's possible that you know valuations as a whole are going down, uh, but that might might be a good thing. It's it's very possible that these you know, valuations were inflated to begin with. I remember a few years ago, we're saying there's a venture bubble, there's a venture bubble. Uh, maybe this helped deflate that, you know. And I also think, you know, there's more pressure from society or, or maybe the Twitter bubble I'm in 
to pump even more money into venture. People want to build more physical infrastructure. They want to go for more moonshots. You know, so I think surprisingly, you know, venture is doing well, and I actually think it's got a pretty. It's going to pull through this better than most industries. Right. And what about what's your take on you know the whole idea of like the companies that have you know raised hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars at you know really high valuations that are you know dealing with massive revenue declines or you know trying to go out and raise like another super high valuation like do you think do you feel the same way about those companies um and you know the current stage of vc for those people yeah i think the later stage will will have some issues um i think you know they just require more capital Uh, a lot of the later stage companies are tethered to physical environments so you can see some of them doing more layoffs. You know, I don't want to cast shade on any company in particular, right. but I do know that some of these folks had a round of layoffs and then like the next day raised a higher valuation. Right. Yeah. There's, um, there's a few of those that I've definitely seen. Yeah. There are a few of those. So yeah. I, I think there is some nuance there that, you know, I can only conjecture about. I think these companies existed in a system that, required rapid growth and maybe for some of them there were investments made in parts of that business that didn't make that much sense and this this served as a good throat clearing time for those companies so it's it's very possible that like the underlying metrics for them aren't that much changed and they're probably still going to grow but it was a good time to kind of kind of reshift right and then you know, at the seed stage, there's always been a focus on, um, you know, growth at all costs, essentially, right? And and uh, less of a focus on things like profitability. How do seed stage companies, you know, look in a post-COVID world? You know, what's your advice for new founders that are launching, you know, companies during this crisis? Should they kind of, should the behavior change as they move forward? Or, you know, do you foresee it just staying more or less the same? I think companies are going to look different in terms of like how and where they work. I think we're going to see a lot more remote teams, a lot of of companies that won't have office space going forward. And even companies that exist now will might pivot into like just all remote. Right. I don't, I don't foresee the underlying dynamics of venture being grow as fast as you can uh, at the expense of profitability changing as of now, I think you'd have to see like a real cratering of the industry for folks to kind of second guess the way they do business. Right. Um, at the end of the day, this crisis is not the result of mismanagement. Uh, in terms of the business dynamics, you, you can make your arguments in terms of the government, whatever. But in terms right. of the business dynamics, this is not like a mortgage crisis where people were doing shady stuff and the fundamentals of the business didn't make sense. The fundamentals of what we had before still make sense. It's just, we have a massive disruption in how the world works. And I think the only thing that would shift a change in the underlying dynamics is a major shift in our world post virus, right. which is possible. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. Um, I do think, you know, I think founders now, they can take advantage of the destruction in the market. There's you know, cheaper labor. There's overall cheaper costs for them. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities. And, and like the last downturn, which produced stuff like Uber, who coincidentally, there was around an Angelus way back when. 
I think there there will be interesting and, and, and uh, noteworthy startups are going to come out of this. For sure. Yeah, there's so many companies started in the last like financial crisis that are, you know, you can't really think of living without those companies now, like the Ubers and the Airbnbs of the world. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, I've had to live without Uber and Airbnb for the past couple months. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Go, <laughs> go point. Go point. You know, you have not been a fan. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Um, you were touching on this briefly about, um, you know, remote teams and remote work. I'm in this Twitter bubble as you where every single day there's, you know, someone tweeting about how their, their company's going fully remote and they're now leaving San Francisco. And we're seeing it in New York as well. A lot of people are leaving here to go to the suburbs and, um, you know, other states for, you know, more reasonable cost of living and stuff. Are, are you essentially buying into all that hype? Like, do you think that that shift is actually going to happen in the Bay Area? Or do you think it's just sort of off fluff for now? I think it's going to happen. I don't think everything will change. But I think there will be a change. Right. I think some companies, particularly newer companies, there a lot of them are going to be remote. I think as those companies grow into larger companies, I think it will be very hard to run larger companies all remote. I think, you know, if you have Facebook, for example, they're really pushing forward on, hey, anyone can work from anywhere. But then, you know, you get paid less if you go go somewhere that's cheaper, which makes sense. Right. But I think, you know, I think some people will want to keep the higher pay and probably not move out. And I think, so I think there will be a shift towards remote work, I think we'll have more disintegrated teams. Everyone now knows how to use Zoom, um, which is very different than, you know, a few months ago. My mom knows how to use Zoom, which I never <laughs> never would have thought would have happened. So. I was just going to say the same thing. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the Amir, Amir's moms of the world, they all know Zoom. So I think things will, things will change. I don't think it will be a wholesale change. And frankly, I think there was probably a lot of pent-up demand for remote work that a lot of managers were not cool with before um, that will be satisfied after this. Um, so I think it'll change a little bit. I don't think cities are going to crumble. I don't think all office space is going gonna, is gonna to go under, but I think there'll be, there'll be a shift. Right, for sure. So, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening here that um, might be interested in, you know, making small angel investments or, you know, participating in sort of this land, you know, this fundraising landscape. So this might be a good time to transition into um, syndicates and, and how those all work. So could you walk us through like sort of how angelist syndicates work, how people could participate and, you know, maybe even highlight some of the successful companies that have went through a syndicate all the way through up until like, you know, an IPO or an exit or things like that? Yeah, happy to talk about all that. I mean, I think syndicates are, are, are bread and butter. A lot of the platform is based on, on individual syndicates and it's grown since then. A syndicate is an investment in one particular company. So it's, it's the ultimate kind of venture bet, um, kind of putting all your money for that particular investment into one company. And, you know, as a disclaimer, most venture companies fail. You, will, you know, you're more likely to lose all your money doing it that way. Um, but it, it provides, you know, the platform provides access to these deals, which are often very good deals. So I mentioned way back when Uber was one of, you know, a syndicate on AngelList, and we, we know how well they've done. Right. <laughs> um, so, so a potential investor on on the platform, they'll get to pick between you know a bunch of different syndicates they can invest in into those companies. We have lead investors 
who are supplying the deal flow to the platform, who kind of show the syndicate on the platform and can invite people to deals for their particular syndicate. And then user, it'll be up to users to see which kind of syndicate leads that they trust and what kind of deals they trust. And this is a syndicate lead is different than the lead for the round of the venture fundraising, which is an important distinction because we use the term lead kind of very uh, liberally. But you know, the syndicate leads will basically have a, a slug of investment into a round that's being led by someone else. And that's been very successful. We have a ton of syndicates on the platform, so we have a lot of a lot of uh, a very wide array of investments that we can see. The interesting thing that we saw was a lot of our syndicate leads were becoming better and better and better at investing, and we're starting to kind of do more traditional venture funds. Uh, so we actually allowed, uh, we created a, you know a legal a set of legal documents and and processes for these folks to have the ability to do multiple investments through a fund. So basically one traditional venture fund on the platform from a fund lead could invest in multiple syndicates. So then if you're an investor coming on the platform, you can, instead of putting all your money into like one or two syndicates, you can back a venture fund lead who then will make multiple investments on your behalf. And if you believe in you know, power law dynamics and uh, kind of the approach of investing in as much as you can, and just a quick plug, we have a really good blog post on this on AngelList uh, from our data scientist uh, lead, uh, Abe Ottman, which is, which is great on this. You can really uh, reduce, you can really reduce your risk and in- increase your probability of, of, of getting some big hits doing a, you know, a traditional venture fund. And this is kind of what all the other traditional venture funds do as well. They just invest a ton and they hope one or two of their investments hit really big. Right. And then more recently, we, we put together this product called the Rolling Venture Fund, which is a little bit more focused actually on the, on the fund lead and kind of making their life you know, a lot easier. So rather, this Rolling Venture Fund allows for accepting new capital into that fund in the form of auto-renewing quarterly commitments. The interesting thing is you can raise, you can basically start a venture fund on the platform with an initial kind of small amount and just rely on auto-commits every quarter, which can increase the fund size and, and make it so they don't have to, they don't have to constantly go back to investors and raise a new, a new set of funds. Uh, and that's been really successful on the platform. Nice. Yeah, I could. I can't even imagine how much work you and the legal team had to do to like put something like that together. I just saw it recently. I think probably a few weeks ago. It, it seems awesome. Yeah, it, it was a lot of work. Um, hats off to the rest of the Angelist legal team for that. I, I think they really, uh, everyone on the team did a really good job of, of doing that quickly. Um, I mean, this was a legal innovation. No one's really done this before, and we did it very quickly and we you know we, we're trying to steal it now um and, and the amount of work that's gone in and the, the sophistication has been really really amazing so the hats off to the rest of my my legal team on that that's awesome who are some of your uh, favorite angel investors like that you follow and and you know sort of look up to yeah this one might sound like a little bit of a cheat but i i, I totally mean this um <laughs> so ryan hoover who is the founder of product hunt 
one of the one of the business verticals. He has a fund called the Weekend Fund. Yep. And I, I think he's I think he's fantastic. I, I think he's got a really interesting story in that he's kind of been brought up within the Angelus kind of world where you know obviously we, we brought him on, but we we provide all these different services for him. We've like helped him recruit and, and you know we're helping him fundraise and all this stuff. And I think he's he's grown as a professional and I think he's the deals he's getting are really cool and I think I think the fund is doing great. I, you know, I, I really enjoy uh, his work here. That's awesome. And you know, the last question I had was just uh, for people looking to invest in startups, what are some of the resources you recommend for people to get started with? Yeah, I'll avoid the obvious answer of go to AngelList, <laughs> check out our blog and all that, which you should do. Definitely. Uh, but, you know, I'll speak to my own experience. I started in this, you know, in this venture world as a you know, lowly corporate associate at Fenwick and West, <laughs> uh, first year associate sleeping at the office and, and you know, scared out of my mind sometimes. And I read the book called Venture Deals. And that, that really was, was very helpful um, to give me a broad understanding of the dynamics in uh, the venture world and, and what was actually being negotiated in deals. I would read that first. And then there's you know other resources on the web. Uh, Cooley Go is really interesting in terms of like your legal forms. Um, and obviously, you know, AngelList's uh, resources are also really helpful. Cool, man. We'll definitely link to all those below. Thanks so much for uh, being on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, thanks for having me. Stay, stay safe and stay healthy. Yeah, you too, man. Take it easy.